Whenever it's my turn to preach, I have to do a lot of praying. I have to ask God what he wants me to speak to his people about. And um, the last few weeks I've been studying the book of 2 Peter and Jude. And just as I was looking at this, God just uh, spoke to my heart about a little patch of Jude. That's a really good lesson. And so I thought I might do that today. So I'm going to ask a question first. How many people have flown in an aeroplane? Yeah, quite a lot. How many have flown like two or three or more times? Ah, they're the ones I'm going to attack today. So, when the stewards begin their safety talk, how many really pay attention to what's said? Boring. (laughs) (laughs) At least he's honest. There we go. Um... So, this is, I noticed that for myself, you know, after a couple of times you think, oh, I'll just do something else, I'm not listening. But in, in, in the pl- if the plane had an emergency, would you know what to do? Would you remember from those very first time or two that you really did pay attention to the instructions and really listen to them, would you know what to do? And I had to think about that. There's a question that was put in, the, in uh, one of my studies. And um, I thought, would I remember, especially, when the oxygen mask dropped down, do you know what to do with it? And do you remember that you have to make sure you put it on yourself first before you can help anyone else? So we'll keep that in mind. So studying God's safety manual, it's a bit like that too. We need reminding of the basics sometimes. So we're going to do a little bit of study on God's instruction manual today. So I'm going to get you to turn, if you've got your Bibles, to Jude chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 16 to 23. So Jude... Yeah, Jude 1. There's only one book in Jude. <laughs> so six, verses 16 to 23. And it, it, um, Jude is talking about false prophets and false teachers. And he says, These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own godly, ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit of God. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But other, um, and on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. So just it, it's a funny little scripture, but um, it was written probably by Jude, who was Jesus' brother also, 
um, around 65 to 80 years after Jesus ascended. So the church had been really well established at that stage and they had many followers. And these people had been taught really well. They'd been taught by Jesus' original disciples, so first-hand They'd been taught by others like Paul and Timothy, Silas and Barnabas, just to name a few, all preaching the gospel from their own close encounters with Jesus or his disciples. So it was kind of first-hand news. So the message was still very pure and being filled with the spirit, the church was growing and even then they were still looking forward to living for the return of Jesus. Of course, we know that when things are going well in the church, you know, our enemy doesn't like it. And hence, they began to see a rise in false teachers and prophets. And these people were either trying to lure people back into religious practices, um, like circumcision and the old Jewish laws. And I remember... Paul's words in Galatians, oh, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? They started off well, but then they began to get lured away back into religious practice. Or they were coaxing them into a lustful lifestyle, pleasing the flesh and self, while expecting Jesus to forgive them no matter what they did. And Paul talked about it that in Romans when he said, shall we then say that we should continue in sin so that grace could abound? Is that the way we live? No. How shall we who are dead to sin live in it any longer? We're also believing that we are close to Jesus' returning now. You know, we're seeing signs, aren't we? And we'd only have to read um, Matthew, if, you, if you're taking notes, Matthew 24, 1 to 14, to see that a description, it's a really close description of the world we're living in today. It's very accurate. So we are kind of um, in those end times, I think, and it's a good reminder that, um, you know, we need to remember what to look out for. We need to know the dangers. We need to have our warnings. So Jude's letter actually gives us um, a really good description of three things. It gives us a description of the nature of the false teachers so that we can recognise them. It's like our safety instructions, our warning signs. It also gives us some good advice on how to be drawn, not to be drawn into their traps. And this is like our oxygen supply where we fill ourselves before we try to help someone else. And it gives us a little idea of how we can help those that have been drawn away by false teachers and prophets. So this is a bit of a refresher on our, on our safety manual with God. So the nature of false teachers and prophets. Jude gives us about five things to recognise. Firstly, they are grumblers and complainers. People who find and focus on all the little faults they can find within the church and within the pastors and leaders. They're not direct with their comments quite often, but they gossip and make underhanded comments and draw people away. Beware of people like that. These also live according to their own lust. They live a life that is focused on pleasing themselves 
Therefore, they'll probably be greedy and have a love for money, especially everyone else's money. I'm thinking of evangelists and tele-evangelists and, you know, we, we have a lot of internet connection these days, so we have a lot of access access to false teaching and false preaching and, and you know, these um, very charismatic evangelists. So, it's it, it, again, beware of prosperity evangelists. These people preach that riches and material health and blessings should be expected by all Christians, especially those who make big donations to them. But is this the way God wants his children to live? No, Jesus did not live like that. So beware of those people. They mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. I don't know about you, but I've met preachers like that. These people are often very charismatic and they have a definite way of drawing people in, often with their joking and laughing and making fun of other people at the expense of others. Their talk, if you've ever heard them, can be just a little bit naughty and shocking, pandering to the sin nature that we all battle with. They're mockers and would cleverly run down and laugh at a more serious preacher. They would say, oh, that guy's just too uptight. He's lacking a sense of humour, you know. He's taking things too seriously. And look, I'm not saying that we don't have a laugh and, you know, I think we all need to laugh at ourselves sometimes and have a joke and, and we can do that. But when it comes to the actual things of God, the rules and regulations, the laws of God, the way of living for God, I think those things should be taken seriously and not disrespectfully. You know, God is an awesome God and he has blessed us with so much and um, I think we do need to take his word seriously. They're also sensual and carnal people and they live for their own ungodly lusts and they focus on bringing division to a church. They do this by attracting often young members who are not very far along in their Christian walk, or they draw on people who have not allowed God to work on areas of their lives that need, you know, healing and repairing. And the, the one big thing, I guess, is that they do not have the Spirit of God in them. They do not have the Spirit of God in them. So these are people, I think, that we need to be aware of and we need to remind ourselves um, of how we think, you know, how we know how God acts and what he does and how he speaks. We'll go into that. So how do we avoid being drawn into their snare? Jude tells us three different ways that are really important. Remember the words that were spoken to you by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's remembering. In other words, we must know and remember God's word and his warnings to us. This is both, I believe, his living word, which is Jesus. Having a personal relationship with Jesus is really important. 
we need to know how Jesus speaks to us. We need to know him like what his character is like. We need to know how he loves us personally, how he treats us personally. (coughs) Studying and learning his written word and understanding his purpose for our lives and his purpose for humanity in general. But, you know, knowing Jesus is so important. You know, I got hooked into a cultish thing, a very controlling religious uh, group of people once, simply because... Um, they questioned how Jesus would speak to me. I didn't know that Jesus wouldn't speak to me in degrading ways in that stage of my Christian life. And it taught me great lessons on how not to treat people. Um, and, and, and I think that one of the things that God said to me when I came out of that whole cult was I was saying, Lord, how can I not be deceived again because this was an Assemblies of God church. This was a spirit-filled church that was supposedly. But I said to the Lord, how can I not be deceived again? How can I know when I go into another church that, you know, and that I'm not going to get drawn into this sort of controlling spirit thing again? And he said to me that two things, of course, is to know me and know how I speak to you. Know that I don't treat you like that. Know that I don't speak to you like that. Know my love for you and also to know the word of God. And those things I've kept in my heart is very, very important. Building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit is the second thing that Jude recommends. So how do we build ourselves up? Well, we've talked about studying God's word, which is always encouraging and equips us with truth. But we need also to have fellowship with one another. This is really important, I believe. When we spend time together as one in Christ Jesus, we encourage each other. We're watching over each other. We know that there are like-minded people with us who love us and care for us and want to help us and support us through all circumstances. This is our church family. It's really important. We are so important to each other, especially in times when Christians are becoming a misjudged and very disliked people in this highly sinful world. We need each other. We need support for each other. We need encouraging for each other. I know I do. (laughs) I love coming to church Sunday because I know I get encouraged. And I know I can encourage others and help others. So praying in the spirit for each other and ourselves is really important. It's knowing his voice protects us. The Holy Spirit, when we know his voice, he protects us. The Holy Spirit is our guide. He's our conscience. He's our warning light. He gives us a sense of when something's not right. Have you ever listened to someone or heard someone speak and you, and you get this mess, this sort of feeling in your heart, something's not right here? It's the Holy Spirit just saying, be careful, be careful. One of the questions I was asked is, how do we know if we have God's Spirit in us? And, you know, I thought, well, I had to think about that for a minute. How do we really know we have God's Spirit in us? Well, as Pentecostals, of course, we know that when we're baptised in the Holy Spirit, our evidence is speaking in tongues or unknown languages. 
which is true. But, you know, there are many Christians who love the Lord who have never been baptised in the Holy Spirit. So how do we know if they are filled with the Spirit? It's a bit of a thought, isn't it? I had to think about it myself. I don't know, you might come up with a perfect answer straight away, but I thought about it. And I thought, I think the evidence is that a person's desire and nature begins to change. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, our nature and our, our um, desires, they begin to change. The Holy Spirit is the one who changes our hearts so that we then want to become more like Jesus. We want to live a different life. People have, has, who have God's Spirit in them will experience and show the fruit of the Spirit in their lives Galatians 5, 19 to 25, I won't read it out, but it's very clear to us about what the fruit of the Spirit is in, our, in us and what the fruit of the flesh is if we're not filled with the Spirit. It's very clear. And Jesus said very clearly to his disciples in Matthew 16 and 17 that we should know people by their fruit. What is coming out of them? Is it love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering and all of those things? He also said that a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So if these things are being produced in someone, if you're seeing this in someone's character, you can know that the spirits at work in their heart and they are have it. And to extend that just that little bit further, it also suggests that we look at the importance of keeping the unity in the spirit keeping the unity in the spirit. How do we keep the unity in the spirit? And I thought about that too and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, I believe keeping the unity in the spirit requires love. Love. If we truly love Jesus, we will love his church. We will love each other. As Jesus does, we'll love as Jesus does and then we'll treat each other as Jesus treats us. It's, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? I know none of us is perfect by any means, but, you know, in Christ's love and strength, we can do much better than the rest of the world. With his love, his spirit in us, we can do so much better than the rest of the world. I like what Paul says in Ephesians 4, 2 and 3. He says that we all need to work, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. That's our call to become Christians, isn't it? It's our call to give our lives to Jesus. And we need to do this with all lowliness and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing one another in love and endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. That's a pretty good description. And we need to remember that those who have the Spirit of God in them will seek to unite Christians, not divide them. If anybody has the Spirit of God in them, they will seek unity, not division, within God's people. And finally, Jude recommends that we keep ourselves in the love of God. Look for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. 
keep ourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy. I think we've sort of covered how we could keep ourselves in the love of God through his word and through, um, you know, each other and through knowing Jesus. But what does it mean looking for the mercy of God? Does it mean that it's for us to look for God's mercy? Or does it mean that we're to look to God's mercy for others in our lives? We receive God's mercy when we're born again. He covers our sin, as Helen was sharing this morning. We have no longer have to be judged. But in order for us to receive God's mercy, we definitely have to show it to others. Jesus was very clear about that. You know, he spoke of not, um, we can't receive God's forgiveness, which is mercy, by the way. Forgiveness is mercy, isn't it? When we forgive, we're showing mercy. If we don't forgive others, and as we ju- if we judge others, either harshly or with mercy, he will judge us. So, you know, God, he, Jesus has set the standard for us here, hasn't he? <laughs> we need to have mercy in order to receive mercy in our judgments of others, in our giving, in our mercy towards each other, in our forgiveness. We need to have mercy. It seems to me that keeping ourselves in God's love requires us to be merciful as he is merciful. God's mercy comes out of his love. And if we have his love in us, then we will show mercy to each other. And that's going to lead us on to the last section. I hope I'm not wearing you out here. And we do need... We need all of these things that we've talked about in order to reach those people who have been lured away by false prophecy and false teaching. And there are many. There are many. This is where we need to remember our plane safety instructions again. Make sure we have our oxygen supply before we try to help others. Our oxygen supplies our faith and knowledge of God, our relationship with God. We need to have that secure in us before we can reach out to others. Jude suggests there's two ways to reach deceived souls, depending on how far they've fallen. Firstly, we need to make a distinction between those who have just begun to have some doubts about God's word and the teachings of Jesus They've perhaps been a little bit swayed by false teaching or words of a a very carnal person calling themselves Christians. It's okay, you can do that. Even if you're a Christian, you can still, you know, go to the pub and have a few drinks. There's people who will very slightly try to walk walk away because the, the flesh in us is always fighting, isn't it? So, and this can include people who think they can live a godly life without reading the Bible or attending some form of fellowship. Now, this is my family at the moment that I'm praying desperately for. They may be saved because they've given their hearts to Jesus, but they're going to get into heaven for the skin of their teeth if they don't go any further away. These people really need our love our mercy, our grace. 
They don't need rebuking or rejection or harshness. The love and the truth of God in his word are the best treatment for reaching these people. Kindness, gentleness, love, all that fruit of the spirit. They need mercy because they're kind of on the edge there. And we really want to draw people back in. And the greatest thing, I believe, that draws people to Jesus is love, is his love in us. It's really important. And then he goes on to say that there are some people who really need the fear of God put in them. (laughs) It's quite interesting the way he says that. They need to understand that God's judgment is coming onto them. They need a bit harsher word. These people we need to love even though we hate or feel disgusted by their lifestyle. We still need to show them love. It's the old saying, we love the sinner but we hate the sin. Their lives are still precious to God because Jesus died and paid the price for their sin just as he did for ours. So they're just as precious. And we do have that great commission. You know, there are some people who are literally standing on the brink of hell. (laughs) Literally. They're on the edge. And some of them have known God. And some of them, you know, we need to discern between these souls. We need to have our discernment. We talked about discernment in our study of Philippians understanding where people are at, where they're coming from, what's driving them to where they're at, who's influencing their lives. I just go back to remember, finish with remembering the Great Commission. The Great Commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28 was didn't specify only some people were eligible for salvation. He didn't tell us to avoid or ignore the worst sinners in the world or the backsliders, but he said to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's everyone. He also said we were to make disciples, which means teaching and instructing as well as correcting wrong ideas taught by ungodly people. So it's an interesting letter. I just found a lot in that little bit of scripture. I hope you did too. It's interesting because I think that in these end times we need to be aware that there's a lot around and, and you know, and we can switch on the telly or put on YouTube and we can think that we're listening to a wonderful evangelist. But there can be little deceptive things in there that can eat away like little rats, you know, eating away at our faith and what we believe in. And we need to equip ourselves with the knowledge of what to look for. We need to equip ourselves with how we can stay strong and we can stay solid in our faith and not be led away. And we also need to know in that that we're here for a reason and that's to help and encourage those who are falling away, those who are perhaps sinking slightly into the ways of the world because we're seeing that really invading our lifestyle through media and so many other ways. Our world is being literally rotted away and we have to, as Christians, I believe, be really aware of that. So I hope that's encouraged you today. I'm going to finish with Jude's very last two um, verses 
because they're really, really beautiful and it sums it all up. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Saviour who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Let's just pray. Thank you, God, for the wonderful word. Thank you for this day, of this time of fellowship together where we've had joy and, and we've also had um, communion with you and we've had fellowship with each other. And, Lord, we've also remembered the serious things that you have um, ordained to be precious and to be honoured and to be glorified. Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for this church and for all that we have. I thank you for the good teaching that we have, Lord. And I thank you for the wonderful love that flows through our fellowship because of you, Jesus. We just give all the glory and all the honour and all the praise to you, Lord Jesus, for the saving of every one of our lives. And may we be so grateful as this week comes on to continue to reach out to those who are lost, those who are on that brink of going to hell, Lord. Let us remember them in our prayers and let us have opportunity, let us pray each day for opportunities to reach out to lost souls. Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Wattle City Church. If you Google Wattle City Church, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and a whole bunch of other platforms. Feel free to listen. We pray that you'll be encouraged by this message and by other messages that you listen to. We praise God and we pray blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.